Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. This is Chris Turner, also known as Otter Juan Kenobi, and you are listening to the one and only Rise and Run podcast. Thank you, Otter Juan Kenobi. You are our only hope. That was fun. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate you sending that in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 58 of the Rise and Run podcast. I'm Bob. I'm here tonight with Allie. Hey, friends. With Jack. Hi. With Alicia. Hello. And with John. Hey, how you doing? I always want to answer that question. I know it's a rhetorical question, but I always want to come. I'm doing good, John. But doing good. That's it's the it's the Jersey salute. <laughs> <laughs> we like it. We like it. We appreciate it. Not with us this evening, Lexi and Greg. We're hoping to have them back next week. Got a nice episode again tonight. We've got an exciting guest, Wendy Larson, the hand cyclist. I think you're going to enjoy that interview. That's really cool. Also in the race report spotlight, Allison and Guy, and in fact, the entire family is with us. Tyler and Grace joined us too. You'll see what I'm talking about when we get to it. That was fun. Got to start with uh, apologies and alibis. Haven't done this for a while, but I think it was last week I said, oh, gee, golly, we don't have any more intros. And I was wrong. We've got a couple. And what happened is with wine and dying coming up and this and that. And I, I was going to look for the uh, John Belushi speech from the Blues Brothers. You know, there was locust. The sun was in my eyes. Anyway. I just missed them. I just missed them. I promise to do better. I will look at those more often, but we do have a couple. I got a couple lined up for the next two weeks. And of course, I encourage you to continue to send them in. They're a lot of fun. There were also some topics from listeners that were suggested, and we're going to get to a couple of those tonight. Okay, friends, we're getting mighty close. We are now less than two months away from marathon weekend. In fact, it's less than seven weeks. If you're racing and your race includes the marathon, you've got seven miles on your training schedule this weekend, including a magic mile. I was talking earlier. I'm not sure why Jeff backloads the magic miles here so frequently at the end, but they're not going to hurt anything. Uh, may even actually help you out a little bit. So seven with a magic mile. If you're working towards Princess Weekend, it's a three-mile weekend for you. Gang, how's the training coming? Any notes on training from this week? I have a funny story that happened in training. Uh, I think getting into week 20 of marathon training, I start to go a little bit crazy. My body is tired. My mind is tired. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I start to negotiate with myself during my, tr my training runs and I'll cut them short or I will just convince myself that I don't need to do them. This is the time that I do need to do them. And every single one of these training run counts. That's what Chris Driggs told me this morning. And that's what I'm going with. 
So last weekend I was supposed to do five easy miles and I negotiated with myself halfway through. I said it was a two and a half mile loop. So I passed my front door at two and a half miles and I said, you know what? This is good enough. I'm feeling really tired and I I'm, I got out here today. This is all I need to do. And I went to go unlock my front door and I kind of reached into my pocket and realized my key is missing from my pocket. <laughs> so I ended up having to retrace my steps and do the other two and a half miles that I was supposed to do on my training run to find my door key and let myself in the door. So I didn't Karma. let myself get cheated. Yeah, I didn't cheat myself at any miles and I got it all done. You said a mouthful, though, in talking about these are the miles. This is it. You've worked so hard to get here. I know they're tough. It was, um, oh, it was Jill, I think, whose quote, these are the miles you came here for. That's right. These are the ones you worked for. I know they're hard. I know they're hard. And you're going to hear this message again later on in the episode. This is the tough part. This is where you make your money. The reward is at the end. So funny thing. Something similar happened to me like two weeks ago, Allie. Oh my God. So I, I had a two a day and it was a five miler. Then wait two to four hours, do another five miler. So I go and do my route and I'm wearing my Lake Sonoma buff band uh, that I have as my headband. And um. I came back, I had my sweater on still, I was chilling out, and I happened to take my sweater off. I'm like, I don't need it this time, man. I'm doing solid. And um, as I went to get ready, I realized that my headband, my beloved Lake Sonoma headband, is gone. Uh -oh. I was like, oh, no! And yeah. so I left an hour and a half like I have like you know what I mean. I left a half an hour before I was supposed to because I was freaking out. I couldn't find it, and so I booked it. I don't know if I really kept with my <laughs> intervals. I was like, I'll just keep running until I see it. It's gonna be fine. I'm gonna see it in the first mile and a half, and it was a there and back. And I even asked the landscaper guy on the way. I was like, Did you by chance see this headband? Um, and uh, he did not. He was really nice <laughs> though. He said he would look for it. And then come to find out, I was so disappointed that I did not see it on the same route that I had used the first time that um, I decided, you know what, I'm getting cold now because I'm sweating and now I'm cold. And I put my sweater back on and out comes my headband. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's funny. That's a happy ending, though. You yeah. didn't lose your headband. I'm glad. No. But... Yeah. Uh, in terms of training, though, I it's three months till three months till race day for the hundred for your yeah for your monster yeah. run yeah. yeah yeah and I'm happy because last time I I trained for an ultra I was coming back from injury and in the three month time frame I had to go from running three miles to fifty miles and now I'm already at like you know a nice good fifteen seventeen miles you know base yeah. And yeah, yeah, good. Going forward, so we'll see. Nice. <laughs> I'm happy for you. That's that's wonderful. It really is. I've been doing aqua jogging, and there was a question or two in the Facebook thread about aqua jogging. I found a program. Uh, this is one Coach Twiggs had sent to me, oh golly, a couple months ago, and then the link that he sent, the website went dark, and it just was gone. You couldn't find it anymore. And I went looking for it online and I found it. So 
if you're into aqua jogging and you want uh, you want this program, just let me know and I'll send it to you by DM. It's it's a five day a week program. It's kind of tough, but it's a good one too. I'm hoping it's going to get me to marathon weekend. We all know that this is the hard part. You've got two more long training weekends if you're going to be involved in marathon weekend. They're not fun. A lot of the country, the weather's getting nasty. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But trust us, guys. This is it. This is make that you've done so much, okay? You can do the rest of it. Just think about it. I used to do this. I used to get up in the morning and think, I don't want to do this, but I'll bet you Jack's going out or I'll bet you Boyd's going out or Chris or somebody in the face. I said, I'll bet they're not blowing it off. And so I'd get out there too. And uh, so if you want to, I'm not blowing it off either. I'm, I promise. I'm not hitting the road, but I'm doing what I can. And this is it. This is it. The next couple of weeks. Well, then we'll talk about it for the next couple of weeks. And we'll probably say the same, same thing for the next couple of weeks. But this is where, this is what lets you have fun that weekend in January. Okay. Hey, I told you I missed some stuff from listeners. Here's another one I missed. Hey gang, it's David from Atlanta. And I wanted to first say, I love the longer episodes and second, ask a question. Does anyone have any good cold weather running tips? So this morning was the first colder run. It's in the thirties here in Atlanta. And I know people are running in much colder, um, but I'm not personally used to that. So if y'all have any tips on stuff to wear or, or how to warm up, um, I would love to hear it. Thanks, everyone. So what do you say, gang? We've got any suggestions for David? Let's start. Let's start with a person who's furthest north who should be pretty familiar with cold weather running. How about it, Alicia? So I have quite a few things. Um, I know Jack can speak more on Atlanta type weather and Lexi too, but she's not here tonight. Um, but the things that I wanted to talk about are first layers are super important and looking at that feels like temperature rather than the actual temperature or yeah, the feels like yeah. temperature rather than the temperature it says, because yeah. it feels like temperature can be way colder. Um, and that's what you should be basing things off of. Um, you also can very much sweat um, and sometimes sweating more because of the layers. Um, but making sure that you have adequate layers, especially on your core. If you're sweating, your core isn't insulated. Um, you can find yourself getting too cold um, because that sweat is right up against you and you may not be noticing it much. Another really important thing for all cold weather, no matter how cold it gets, is really taking the time to still fuel and hydrate. I know it's a lot tougher. You don't necessarily notice that you need to do that as much, um, but you do. It's it's still very important. And if you're up north like I am in Minnesota or somewhere with the same type of temperatures, you might need to have a smaller loop um, and grab things from a house or um, mm -hmm. somewhere that you can get that isn't frozen because I, I definitely have had that happen where a hydration pouch has frozen or my um, gels have frozen. 
So just keep that in mind. The last okay. thing I want to talk on is there's definitely cold, but then you also have to look at the road conditions um, if you're going outside. So there's ice, there's snow. Usually if it's snow, you can go out, but that ice, um, some recommendations I have are getting some yak tracks. Um, it's a brand you can usually find them um, at sporting goods stores during the winter months, or sometimes you can find them at Costco. Um, or you can also put small screws into your, the bottom of your shoes. It's called screw shoes. And you can find YouTube video, videos about that online. Um, those can definitely help as well. Yeah, that's something I don't have to think about is the road conditions for sure. One of the other things that I pay attention to when I'm cold weather running is you don't want to put cotton against your skin. You want to put moisture wicking fabric um, as your bottom layers because um, the the cotton will actually like change your yeah put, keep the sweat against your body and it will make you colder faster. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I also do multiple layers of this is when it gets really cold, but I'll do multiple layers of let's say like a hat and then a hood and then I also have a, like a fleece hood that goes on top of it so that I can not only do arm layers and core layers, but I can also do like head layers. I do a couple pairs of gloves sometimes as well too. So I actually have two things. My first thing being, um, I was in Atlanta before I moved to Florida. And so I do have some experience uh, with the Atlanta weather and it does get cold. My thing is, is when you're doing those long runs and you start taking away those layers, just be careful that you don't overextend your walking breaks because then your sweat makes you extremely cold, even with wicking fabric, because I have had that happen. Um, so just kind of make sure you're keeping up with your intervals and not overextending those walking breaks. Because if you are starting to get cold by your sweat, it's really kind of harder to recover after that and keep going. Um, and my other thing is, is, so I don't think anybody really knows this, but I have Raynaud's disease. So I have really extremely poor circulation. And um, I saw someone's comment on one of their rise and run uh, Facebook posts and because they also have that. And I, I wanted to put this out there because I know a lot of people could use this as well. Is hand warmers are great. Um, I would definitely bring hand warmers, stick them in your uh, mittens. And then also what she does is because... I wish I would have done this and I will explain why she has actually put um, toe warmers in the shoes first and then would take them out so that her toes would be already circulated and warm um, before she goes on a run. I think she takes them out. I'm pretty sure so she's smart. Did. And for, for me, I didn't realize, I just always assumed that, I don't know, but like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm fine. It's, it's whatever. And uh, I went to go do my first ever magic mile and um, I couldn't feel at all my um, entire foot up to about just before mid calf. And so I had to stop and try and massage my foot out because I had no feeling in either of my feet. And that was really early on and it was at a uh, 32 degree weather. So I will take that note from what she had posted on the Facebook page and put in toe warmers um, because not being able to feel anything at all is a little nerve wracking because you don't know if you injured yourself or not. So hand warmers, toe warmers, go for it. You just reminded me too of when you were talking about mittens. Um, one thing that I've mentioned 
on episodes last year is um, having those throwaway like dollar store gloves just in case you lose them because chances are you're you're going to take off those those gloves on the run and stick them in your pocket and I've had that happen where I had ones that I really really liked that were more expensive and I lost them and I was really disappointed and most of the time I'm not wearing them more than a mile or two so just having those little throwaway ones from Target or the dollar store and just that way you can throw them in your pocket and it doesn't really matter if you um, lose them or not and then Jack your story earlier about the buff um, reminded me that that's another good thing (laughs) you can use on your face if it's really windy um, because that's a big aspect of cold in the wintertime too no matter where you are Um, totally if if you're not able you feel like you're not able to breathe with a buff um, putting some Vaseline on your cheeks can help with the wind so you don't get windburn so oh that's so smart I didn't even think about that you shouldn't have to in Orlando True. It's sunscreen, right, Bob? Sunscreen, right. I um, don't use sunscreen. I just burn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please use sunscreen. <laughs> now, we have like an infographic that we've put up in the past, too, about what you can wear and like what layers you should wear at different temperatures. It's a guideline. I obviously like I'm me and Bob have talked about this before. If it's like under 55, like we're both probably not running <laughs> we're wimps in that way but so i'm yeah. always wearing a ton more layers than what it says um but it's nice to know like what it you know what you're supposed to be wearing sort of as a guideline so maybe we can post that on our instagram for you guys oh, i'm sure we can i know alicia's got it I, I always use the 20 degree rule and what that basically is is if you dress to be comfortable if it's 20 degrees warmer than it is and you're not being active, then you're going to be fine. For example, let's say it's 50 and I can dress as though it's going to be 70 shorts and a t-shirt, something like that. If it's 30, if I dress like it's going to be 50, I'll be all right during my run. Stay dry. I've heard a couple of people say that. I think it's important to keep your extremities warm. I heard that, but not in those specific words, keeps your your head, your feet, and your hands warm. If you can keep those warm, it's going to be better for you. And I heard this too, layer up in a way that you can shed layers. Uh, Jeff Galloway actually told me this one. If you're wearing a long sleeve t-shirt and a short sleeve t-shirt, which, which I would do if we were running at about 40 degrees or so, Put the long sleeve on the outside. I have done it backwards before. It doesn't work as well. Put the long sleeve on the outside, and you can take it off and tie it around your waist. Uh, and I'd add one more thing. You know, we all live in different climates, and we talk about this when it gets hot, too. And here's the deal. If it's cold where you are, and you feel cold, then it's cold. Alicia is going to be able to stand a heck of a lot colder weather than I am. That doesn't mean I'm not cold when it gets to 40 or something like that. I did have one more point on that, Bob. Allie reminded me that the layering, it definitely depends on who you are too. You, I mean, some people are going to have less layers and some people are going to have more layers. You have to find what works for you. And that's the same thing for all of training. Everything we do, you have to find what works for you. Um, but yes, cold is cold to in different realms to different people. And so um, just keeping things in mind. Yeah. Another thing going back to the layering, uh, don't want to like overdress 
and have running it in that parka because you will overheat. Like the little kid from the Christmas story. Yes. <laughs> I can't put You're my fall- arms down. You fall down, you won't be able to get back up. Yeah, that's me running in the winter weather. <laughs> you you will overheat a little bit. Uh, another thing is that they they sell these arm sleeves and leg sleeves. Right. So if you're not sure how you're going to do, the arm sleeves are really great because you can either roll them up or roll them down. And, you know, you have these big wristbands now at your wrist, if, or I, I say with your legs. That, that that's, that's something else you guys can do. And something else, because I'm a little heavier sweater, so when I do run, I sweat. But if I'm not coming back into my house right after the run or if I'm in my car, I'll have a sweatshirt or a dry sweatshirt so I can throw that on because yeah, I, I like to, I like to walk a little bit after I stop running just to kind of cool down and I'll grab that sweatshirt, throw that on so that I'm not freezing because I usually sweat and uh, my stuff will be sweaty. My, my shirt will be sweaty or whatever. And that really makes a big difference. Once you stop, like Jack said, you stop running that wind hits you, you're freezing. So that's the best we have to offer for you. Layer up, stay dry, stay warm. And speaking of clothes and dry t-shirts and stuff like that, here's a word from our friends at Zippity Tees. Hi, Rise and Run listeners. I'm Devin. And I'm Carrie. And we are Zippity Tees. We are a woman-owned small shop specializing in nostalgic Disney and pop culture t-shirts and sweatshirts. Our largest Run Disney collection will be available for pre-order on November 22nd through the 24th. Be sure to check out our designs on our Instagram at Zippity Tees. And we'll see you at Marathon Weekend and Princess Weekend. Have fun running. And shopping. The Zippity Tea pre-order runs November 22nd through the 24th. And just for our listeners, we have a special 10% off during the pre-order. You can use the code Rise and Run to get 10% off. Their designs are so cool. Um, and I'm definitely going to be getting some. So I hope that helps some of our listeners who love their t-shirts as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Nice people too. So I'm glad we're able to help them out. That's Rise and Run with no spaces. Thanks, Ellie. All right, friends. Here's a topic that came up a bit after last weekend. Uh, really warm down in Orlando for wine and dine. Really warm up in New York City for the New York City Marathon. And, and that is, how do you approach things? How do you get over having a bad race, not living up to expectations, or maybe even maybe even you don't finish? What do you do? How do you come back from something like that? I could say that you got to have a short memory. You could be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish, Jack. Be a goldfish. Yeah. I still love that quote from, uh, what is the show called, Ted? Ted, La- Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great show. The The more you ponder on it, the more you're going to make it worse in your mind. You're going to stress. Yeah. You know, and if possible... If there's something close by and available, get back on that horse and uh, try it again. Yeah, I just want to say, just do not let one race predetermine what your next race will be. Every race is different. Some races are great. Some races are bad. 
it happens to every one of us. Um, just don't let that get you down. Jack, the best athletes in the world have races that they don't finish. What happened in New York this year? Didn't the runner leading the race fall out at the 20 mile mark? Yep. I'm almost positive. I wasn't watching it. I was, I was busy doing wine and dine, but it happens. My goodness. It happens to, to the best of us for sure. I don't have experience um, DNFing a race specifically, but I do feel like in the marathon in 2020 at Disney, my race got cut short and I was one of the people who didn't get the full 26 miles um, on the course. And I felt um, for a long time afterwards, like I didn't complete a marathon and I felt um, I had to do a lot of mental work in order to feel okay with that race. Um, and I eventually did do what you guys said and come back and do another marathon. Um, but it was pretty heartbreaking. And one of the things that I had to tell myself was no one can take away all of the hard work and the training that I put into that. Becoming a marathon runner is a lot more than just finishing that race. It's waking up on days you don't want to go running and going running. It's getting you know, I'd never run a 20 mile training run before in my life and no one can take that away from me. So all of the hard work and stuff that I put into that, it really mattered um, when I did the mental training afterwards. We talk about mental training leading up to the race, but sometimes during cases like this, you have to do mental training after and you have to be tough. Um, And building that mental toughness helped me complete the marathon eventually. You only DNF truly when you don't try again. So I really want to encourage people to say, this is what I learned. This is what I got out of it. Maybe the course was a little more technical than I wanted. Maybe the weather wasn't cooperating like it was in my case um, or in Wine and Dine or or Mar- um, the New York Marathon last weekend. So what did we take from it? Every single training run, whether it's good or bad, every single race, whether it's good or bad, you have a lesson to be learned and you just put, bring it forward. And, and I know that you will complete your goals eventually. And that's what I had to tell myself. And that's what I'm telling you guys. Well, that was beautifully said, Allie. Um, Aww, thank you. <laughs> and I was just really thinking, I was like, you know what? I actually was almost a DNF uh, for my Bryce Canyon race. I remember because I had for like burn the side of my tongue with a salt tablet and I sat crying around mile 33 and I just sat there and I said if I'm gonna be done this is it and if it wasn't for somebody else encouraging me and giving me obviously the go-go squeeze applesauce to keep going yep I like Ali said there's like this mentality that you need to find some way to push past the wall that's telling you no you have to have some kind of trigger point and be like you know what I came all this way I am not going to give up at this point in time I can do this I'm capable of it and I train for it yeah nothing can stop you yeah and it's just as important in the race to have that mentality as after the race, because mm-hmm. let's say you didn't finish, um, you would probably have to sit down with yourself and say the exact same thing you just said. 
and sign up for another race and be brave enough to do that. Yep. And the crazy thing was, is I, I almost, so it was a 17 hour limit and I came in at 16 hours, 56 minutes. I had almost missed it by four minutes and I had to try and book it. But there is that switch that you have to make to give yourself that positive outlook and remember, visualize the finish line and you will end up seeing the finish line. I like it. I like it. There's a word in my notes that I haven't used yet and none of you have either. And I'm glad. And that word is failure. I saw that in somebody's question. If you go out, the failure is not starting. The failure is not trying. There's no failure. There's no failure in giving your best effort and not completing an event. I've, I've been on the bus twice. Now, I knew I was going to be both times. They were medical reasons. So not quite the same. You know, I wasn't crushed. Oh, I worked so hard. I didn't make it. it but I've been on the bus twice and I've, I've seen other people there and some of them are really crushed, but many of them, something happened. Something happened. Either they were sick, they, the heat was too much, the, they didn't eat properly before. Something happened. It wasn't a failure. It was just more like a mistake. And those things will happen. Look, we love you. We're here because you're part of this wonderful community of Disney runners. If you get out there, that's what I think, golly, I think that's what separates Disney running from the others is that you can go and you can try. And Disney recognizes this because you ride the bus back. The first thing that happens when you get off the bus, they give you a finisher's medal. So some people think that's cool. Some people don't think it's cool. I've got them. I've got them, and they're hanging in my room. So try not to dwell on this. I keep telling people, you have nothing to be afraid of. People say, they're oh, the race is getting close, and I'm afraid. No, you have nothing to be afraid of. Nervous? Nervous is different. A little bit nervous, you know, I'm kind of unsure. Some of that, sometimes that nervous energy is helpful. But you've got nothing to be afraid of because you're, you're a winner. You're a winner in my book. And how cool would it be if you DNF'd a race and then eventually went on to win, like, I don't know, like a, the Boston Marathon or something like that? Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be a cool story. <laughs> that would be really cool. You know, what's really interesting, and, and Allie, you probably didn't know this, we have a guest with us tonight who did something just like that. All right, friends, we've had some talented athletes with us in the past, but I'm about to say something I've never said in introducing an athlete who's joining us tonight, and I will probably never say it again. Please meet the Boston Marathon champion from 2021 and 22, and the New York City champion 2022 in the hand cycling division, Wendy Larson. Wendy, thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to y'all tonight. This should be fun. That is quite an intro. I mean, 
Those are the biggies. They they are. And it still sounds weird to me to hear that too. It's just, I tell my husband a couple times a week, it's just crazy. I think he gets tired of hearing that, but it's still crazy to me. I went Boston in 2021 and I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that half the time. <laughs> I know. That's what well, I don't know. I don't know. And I never will know. But I appreciate what you're saying. I think it's absolutely marvelous. Um, hey, let's just kick this off. Wendy, how did all this get started? How did you get into hand cycling? What happened? Uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, my gosh. So I could spend days talking about this. So I'll try to make it as concise as I can. I have several rare genetic diseases. I'm what doctors refer to as medically complex, or as my geneticist has told me, I'm a genetic train wreck. <laughs> so I spent most of my growing up years very sickly in and out of the hospital, had a lot of issues with joints and injuries and just you name it. I had issues. I was told a lot growing up that my joints were too weak to participate in sports and this and that. And I would get involved in softball or dancing or track and I would get injured and doctors would tell me I couldn't do that anymore. And it was just this constant merry-go-round growing up. So over the years, I just had so many issues and knee surgeries and this and that. I became very inactive. I didn't do a whole lot. I gained a whole lot of weight. And then in 2006, I was in a really horrific car accident and I almost lost my right leg. And when I finally, almost a month later, got out of the hospital, got released by my surgeon after I think it was 15 leg surgeries to reconstruct my leg. The last thing the surgeon said to me was, well, you might walk again, but you'll never run a marathon. Just said very <laughs> off the cuff sarcastically to me. Uh -huh. And something clicked at that point and I just had had enough and I decided, huh, I'm going to go run a marathon. I knew where this was going. Had I had no business doing. So at the time, I couldn't even walk. You know, I came home in, in a wheelchair. I had to completely relearn to walk again. You know, it took a year for me to learn to walk again, but I did get to a point where I could walk again. And I started running. And I say running, I use that term very loosely because I was kind of shuffling along. I was a back packer, um, doing what I could. I was one of those that was getting passed by balloon ladies and took rides on the sag wagon and DNF'd multiple times. I, you know, all of that. So over, I, but I finished multiple half marathons. I never finished a marathon on my feet, but I did finish multiple half marathons. And the first Disney race I did was actually princess in 2010. Okay. So I was doing okay, not great. And then my health took a downturn a few years after that. Um, and things just kind of went from bad to worse. And I spent a year kind of in and out of the hospital. And 
I continued to have more and more issues with the connective tissue disorder I have. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is the connective tissue disorder I have. And then I also have a primary immunodeficiency disease. Um, The primary immunodeficiency disease, what that means, it's a genetic disease. I was born without a fully functioning immune system. So I actually get my immune system through weekly immunoglobulin infusions that come from donated plasma. So without that, I would not be here. So I, it's a lifelong treatment. The disease has no cure. So I've got all of this different stuff going on from all different angles. And eventually the EDS caused a spinal cord injury because all of my joints are super, super unstable, including my spine. So I have one of my vertebrae in my spine that actually slipped down on top of another vertebrae causing a spinal cord injury in my lumbar spine. So as all of this was going on and I still, I loved the running community and I wanted to be part of that. And I was trying so hard to continue to run, even though I had no business doing it. And so one of my physical therapists finally suggested hand cycling to me. I had never heard of it. So I went home, I Googled hand cycling Houston And I came up with Achilles International. Achilles International is an organization for disabled athletes that helps athletes with disabilities participate in mainstream running events. And that can be through mobility impaired programs for people that are disabled, but still running. It can be hand cycling. It can be racing in a push rim racing chair, kind of whatever you need to do for your particular situation. So that's essentially how I got into hand cycling. Um, And that was, you know, about the same time that I started using a wheelchair daily, um, which for a lot of people is a really scary thing. But what I found was when I finally agreed (laughs) to use a wheelchair, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it really gave me my independence and freedom back when I actually started using the wheelchair. Um, because that worked for me and my disability and I was able to get around and start moving and being active again when I started using the wheelchair. So it just kind of all came together. And the first time I ever got into a hand cycle, it was just one of those things where I instantly knew that was what I was supposed to be doing. Okay. Cause that's what, that's where I was going to kind of go. How do you go from, okay, uh, this hand cycle is pretty cool to winning the Boston marathon. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> no, it, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over, um, a number of years, but it was something that I just instantly fell in love with. Um, I took to it right away. I think because for me, it was finally something that I was able to work with my body instead of against my body. And it was just such a sense of freedom and being able to get out there and move how I wanted to move, but I had never been able to before. So I got on the hand cycle and I mean, basically that's just all I want to do now is just be on my hand cycle. I just love it that much. So the very first marathon I ever did in a hand cycle was the Houston Marathon 
in, I think it was 2017. And I went out with the attitude. I was just doing it to finish. Um, yeah, I was going to go out and do my best and enjoy it and finish. And I had a blast. I stopped along the route and, you know, my, my oldest son showed up with my dog on the race course and I stopped and took selfies with my dog. Uh, nice, and, nice. Fun stuff like that. And I finished in second place. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I knew, I knew I was fast, but I didn't really at the time have a real good concept of how fast I was or what that meant or anything. And it was later that day that the director of our local Achilles um, chapter sent me a text and said, do you know you qualified for the Boston Marathon today? Wow. And I was just shocked. So the very first marathon, just going out and having fun, I qualified for Boston. So that kind of, you know, from there it got me thinking, hmm, maybe I could be good at this. Oh, boy, and then, yeah. You know, it was, I guess, during COVID at the very beginning of COVID that I was like, hmm, I think I could be really, really good at this if I got a good coach and a dietitian and I really devoted everything to it. Because that leads to my next, what's training like, Wendy? So training varies from week to week. Um, I, I spend a lot of hours on my hand cycle and it's just, you know, kind of like a runner would train. Uh -huh. I have days where I do intervals. I have yep. days when I do long endurance rides. I have days when I do shorter, easier rides. And then I have my cross training days. Uh, yeah, so, I was going to ask about that cross training. I do spend a lot more time than your typical athlete does with my training. So at this point, I did actually quit my job at the beginning of the year and I do train full-time now. So I am essentially full-time professional athlete at this point. And I, every, I live in Houston where it's really flat. So on the weekends, I travel to the Austin area almost every weekend to do hill training um, because I have to get hill training in and all of that as well. So it's, it's a lot of time. It, I, it takes a lot of um, juggling of schedules and this and that. I would imagine right. that hill training, just like for running, increases your strength quite a bit, doesn't it? It does. It's Yes, it really does. What kind of activities do you do for cross training? Um, so typically I do light weight training. So I do lighter weights, high reps. I do a lot of stuff with resistance bands, light weights, that sort of thing. My coach doesn't like me doing heavy weights where I would bulk up. It's more about building muscular endurance. So it's more of the light weights, resistance bands, high reps, that sort of thing. So somewhere along your travels, you lost a whole bunch of weight, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I actually... I've, I've lost over a hundred pounds, um, over the last five to six years. Yeah. And that was, that was part of the whole thing too, is I got to the point where I, I knew my weight was holding me back. And that was 
really the incentive I needed to get the weight off. And I started working with a registered dietitian and I still work with her today. She is um, a sports dietitian, but she's the one that really was able to work with me one-on-one in getting that weight off and really, because I have a lot, a lot of GI issues as well. And I have a lot of severe food allergies. Um, So she helped really tailor my diet and really dial it in so that I was able to lose the weight without compromising my training. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, it was a little tricky at times. Now I'm where I need to be and I'm maintaining. And now the focus with her is my optimizing my nutrition for performance. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite a challenge. Uh, it especially is. Especially as you just talked about trying to uh, lose weight while training because you've got the calorie requirements and yes. still you've got to be, you got to be smart about it. Yeah. Difficult thing to, to do. You have to be very smart about it. And, you know, and one of the things that we did is, you know, I needed to lose the weight, but at the same time you can't lose it too quickly uh-huh. because that's going to do more harm to your body than good. And you're not going to keep it off long-term if you lose it too quickly. But I also needed to make sure I was losing weight, but I was still getting enough calories to get my workouts in and my training in. So it's a, it is a very delicate balancing yeah, act. Yeah, and a, luckily I have the most amazing dietitian ever in the whole wide world. Cool. Has really guided me through all of this. I couldn't have done it without her. You're welcome to shout her out if you want to. Her name is Catherine Krippa with Advice for Eating. Nice. Thank you. Amazing. And she does stuff online over Zoom as well as in person. So even if you're not, she's local in Houston, but she works with a lot of people that are not local as well. So she's, she's amazing. We may look for her for a future episode. This is just me now. I'm going to be a little geeky here. I'm curious about the vehicle, about the race chair, about the, the hand cycle. Uh, okay. I, I know it's a it's a recumbent type thing. I mean, you're yes. you're just about flat, aren't you, on this? Yeah. So there are a couple of different types of hand cycles. I am in a mm-hmm. recumbent hand cycle, and I have my feet out in front of me, and I'm laying almost completely flat. So we have gears like a bicycle does. But yeah, we okay. Roll with our arms. So there are recumbent hand cycles. There are more upright hand cycles. Those are more um, of what you'll see a lot, like at the Disney races that are not quite as competitive. They're built a little bit more for leisure riding and um, not quite as much for racing and they're going to set a little bit more upright, but their feet are still going to be out in front of them. They're still going to pedal with their arms. And then the other type you'll see is called a kneeler and you'll see those even less frequently. And the kneeler, you actually, instead of having your feet out in front of you, you're up kneeling in this bucket, but then you're pedaling with your arms. And that is a very specific type of hand cycle that is for a certain class of disabilities within the International Paralympic circuit and system. So depending on how you're classed will depend, will 
decide if you're an annealer or a recumbent. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I had not seen one before. I mean, I don't think I did. I was a little surprised to see that your arms move in unison. Yeah. It's like, right. it's not like a bicycle where, right. Is that the case for all the kind of, uh, yeah, that's the case for all hand cycles. Um, you get a little bit more power that way because it's, if you're moving both of your arms at the same time, you get a little bit more power. If they're opposite, you don't get quite as much power. Yeah, I, I can I can see that now that you're talking to me that you can push over the top and then yeah. pull coming back. Exactly. So you that. think about it, you know, you can lift more weight with both hands than you can if you're just using one hand. You know, if you're trying to bench press, you use right. both hands because you can pre bench press a lot more weight. If you're just using one, you're not going to be able to lift as much. Well, that makes sense. Weight. Yeah. So I like that. So um, you're, it's essentially what you're doing. You, you said they're geared. Uh, I imagine the cadence is more important than cadence primary importance to you yes cadence is very important it's very important um so each hand cyclist their cadence is going to be a little bit different um but not a whole lot in general most hand cyclists are going to have a cadence anywhere from 80 to 90 rpms some people are going to get more power a little higher some people are going to get more power a little lower depending on what gear you're in so my average cadence for a race ranges anywhere from 85 to 90 generally okay okay, okay. I, i'm relating I, i'm a bicyclist wendy I, I do that also and i'm relating and that's probably for an average cyclist now the tour de france guys are in a whole different level okay the pros are probably right. about a hundred but 85 to 95 is about what you're doing. Only I'm doing it with my legs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier for me to generate power. Right. Those muscles right. are a lot bigger. How navigable are these? Uh, oh, uh, they're, not. they're no, not. They're not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I tell people quite literally, my car has a better turning radius than my hand cycle. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Yes. So that's one of the things that sometimes is difficult in, um, in the running races is if you are back mixed in with runners, it is really, really difficult to turn a hand cycle or a push rim racer for that matter. Both are very, very difficult. And a lot of times runners don't realize that we cannot move like a bicycle can. So people think that we have the same maneuverability that a bike does, and we just simply don't. Not even close, huh? Not even close. It's very difficult to turn because on a hand cycle, our gears are on our, and our cassette is on our front wheel. We can't make the same kinds of turns that a bike can because a bike, your chain, your cassette is on your rear wheel and ours is on our front wheel. So we have a really long chain. Our cassette is up front. It makes it difficult to turn. The other thing that people don't think about or don't realize is they see us on three wheels and so they think we're very stable and that is not true at oh. all. We oh. are very 
unstable and we can flip very easily because if you're going around a corner on a bike, you can lean into that right, turn. Right, right. And on a hand cycle, you can't do that. So you just flip. I get <laughs> it. So I get it. It is, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of technical ability to be able to make tight turns and make corners at any kind of speed without crashing. And basically every hand cyclist I know that has, you know, been around for any length of time has at some point or another crashed their hand cycle and flipped it. So what I'm curious about is, have you ever flipped it during a race? And if you did, how do you get yourself back up? I have not flipped during a race. I have flipped during practice several times, but not during a race. So, um, yeah, it's kind of comical. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after the so, fact, I guess. You know, I have a good sense of humor and I can laugh at myself. So yeah. I guess the one time I'm thinking about that was probably the most humorous was I was um, I was actually down in Tampa training and there is a, a very popular bike loop outside of Tampa called Flatwoods. And I just took a turn too fast. My front wheel went off the side and I flipped. And of course there's all these cyclists there. Oh my God, are you okay? So my hand cycles over here, I'm over there. And, you know, I just have to like scoop my butt back to my hand cycle, turn it over and climb back in. And yeah, I, it's, yeah. Oh, it's quite a scene. It's, and yeah. I, I attract attention when it happens. Wow. I've done all kinds of crazy stuff. I So, you know, really you should always have your feet strapped into your feet rests because, you know, most of us in, our, in a hand cycle don't really have good control over our feet. And there was one day that I was training and I was training with some of the elite men and I didn't have my feet strapped in because I don't like to strap my feet in because I can't do it by myself. And then it's really hard to get out um, when I have my feet strapped in. So my feet weren't strapped in and I wasn't paying attention. And next thing I know, my foot flopped over into my front wheel and got caught in the spokes. It Ooh. was ugly. It yeah. was ugly. Doesn't sound it's one good. of those times that you're like, man, I'm glad I can't feel my feet. Because oh my goodness. Really <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Yeah, so I've done some crazy stuff. I love your sense of humor so much. Um, I'm a little intimidated talking to this year's Boston and New York champions, so I'm sorry if I'm a little shaky. Uh, my question for you is, knowing that you've came from being a back of the packer to being the champion of the two races that I just said today, what kind of changes did you make mentally and what kind of changes did you make perhaps like dietarily that somebody could put into practice um, in their own running. So like I'm training for a marathon right now and I know I probably should be doing some mental training, which I'm sure you do. Yes. And I also know that I probably could be maybe eating more. So what kind of, of those things could you um, recommend to our listeners? My diet and what I do is that of any elite athlete that is performing at the very top levels. 
So I watch every single thing I put into my mouth because I know everything I put into my mouth has an effect on how I feel, how I perform, how my body functions. So I am very careful about the amount of fat I eat and the types of fat I eat. So I like to get my fat not from, you know, I don't eat butter at all. Like no butter, nothing like that. Um, I eat healthy fats like from avocados and nuts and things like that. Um, I rarely drink alcohol, rarely drink alcohol. You know, I used to have a couple glasses of wine a week and that sort of thing. And now it's really only on special occasions. Um, I'm much better about eating breakfast now than I used to be. And I make sure that my breakfast, I eat a very healthy, well-rounded, fairly large breakfast every day and lots and lots of fresh fruits and vegetables. So even at breakfast, I have vegetables with my breakfast every single morning. So, you know, peppers and tomatoes and that sort of thing with eggs for breakfast. And it's usually egg whites or or a protein pancake, fat-free yogurt, that sort of thing. And I think a lot of it, it's stuff we all know we should do. We just don't. Yeah, that's it. Takes it. A lot of willpower, a lot of self-control. And it's one of those things you just have to find a reason that you're willing to go all in. And for me, that was hand cycling. And that was really what got me to realize that I could not continue to treat my body like that with all of the junk I was eating. And once I started eating healthier and I got the weight off and I started feeling so much better, it's easier now for me to continue with it because I know how I felt before and I know how I feel now. And so now I'm able to really see that, but it, it takes time and it takes consistency. As far as the mental side of things, it's still a mental hurdle for me a lot of times because there's still days when I still think of myself as that back of the packer that, you know, might get swept from a race or get passed by the balloon ladies or whatever. Um, I actually work with a sports psychologist and I use her uh, to help me with a lot of the mental side of things, because now I'm dealing with completely different things. There's a lot of pressure that comes with this once you start winning races like that. And then the social media, and I, I have to be very careful not to spend too much time on social media because sometimes that can do more harm than good. Um, I do a lot of mental visualization of races. And that doesn't mean just visualizing myself winning and crossing that finish line and, you know, breaking that banner. That also means visualizing, okay, when something goes wrong, how am I going to handle it? What am I going to do? And visualizing different scenarios and how I'm going to work through that. Because races are not always going to go according to plan. You're going to have issues. Um, Case in point, New York Marathon last weekend, I had an issue with my brake going down the Verrazano Bridge, Uh very beginning and going, 
went, went great. I was going uphill, doing exactly what I needed to be. And on the downhill, my brake started rubbing. And so I had to pull over and fix my brake and try to catch back up with the lead pack, which I did. But that was one of those scenarios that I had visualized beforehand. And I had thought about that. Okay, what do I do? How am I going to physically, what am I going to do? Mentally, how am I going to react to that? What am I going to do? So I think that sort of thing is one of one of the things that has really helped me. And just think about all of these crazy scenarios because things happen. That things happen. You know, what happens if you get sick or you have GI issues or you run out of water or whatever it may be. And think about that ahead of time. Visualize that, what you're going to do, how you're going to react to it and continue on. Awesome advice. Awesome advice for people listening. Thanks. All right. I'm going to change gears just a little bit. No pun intended since we're talking about (laughs) cycling. But um, I was out this weekend on my bike. I got a nice bike. I rode for about an hour, averaged about 15 miles an hour. That's that's not bad. That's Wendy, how fast do you go in your hand cycle using just your arms? <laughs> so that really depends on the distance and is it flat, is it hilly, that sort of thing. So for a time trial distance, which would be about half marathon, 13, 15 miles, something like that, I'll average 20 to 21 miles an hour. That's amazing. On a relatively flat course, rolling flat course or rolling hills. If it's really hilly, it's going to be lower. I think Um, that's incredible. I did a hundred K a few weeks ago in the mountains and that had some really crazy, crazy climbs. And I averaged 14 miles an hour. Wow. Wow. The gearing good enough to get you. I mean, you've got to provide the power, but. Right. We call them granny gears on a bike. You got a gear to get you up the hills pretty well? Um, I do. So I actually run a single chain ring. Um, mm-hmm. I have a one by system, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and a really huge cassette. So I have a really um, wide range on my cassette. So uh, I do have that granny gear that I do have to drop into that granny gear for the really steep climbs. Some, one of the places where I do um, my hill training on the weekends, I've got a 16 to 17% grade climb mm, wow. that I do. Wow. And on that one, I'll be dropping down into my lowest gear for that one. So, And then I have a couple different size chain rings that I can swap in and out depending yep. on the the terrain. Depending on the course, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about you, you uh, competed in a race – I don't know if it was in Houston, it was in Texas, against bicyclists. Yeah, so that was actually the 100K in the mountains, um, and that was out in far west Texas. So I've actually, what I've been doing recently is doing more of the ultra cycling races with upright cyclists. So that was a 100K race out in far west Texas, out towards Big Bend, and I was the first-hand cyclist to ever do that, and I was actually competing against able-bodied upright cyclists because they did not have a hand cycle category. So I came in third in my age group in that. That's incredible. I was super excited about. You super should excited be excited about because it's 
a hand cycle just cannot get the same power as an upright bike. No. Because you don't have as much muscle in your arms as you do your legs. Mm-hmm. And in a hand cycle, being in the recumbent position, you can't get up over your pedals and get that additional power, especially when you're climbing up hills. So we're going to always be slower than an upright bike going uphill. We just, it, it just is what yeah, it is. Yeah, just physics. It's just physics. So yeah, so I did that um, and I'm I'm doing more of those. And my, my ultimate goal, what I'm really working towards right now is um, it's Race Across the West. And that is a 930 mile ultra endurance cycling event. That'll be June of 2023. It's 930 miles. It starts in Oceanside, California, and it ends in Durango, Colorado. And it has 56,000 feet of climbing. Oh, my goodness. It goes through the deserts of Arizona, you know, 120 degrees in the deserts. And then you start climbing up into the Rocky Mountains. So that's why I'm doing these ultra cycling events with able-bodied upright cyclist. So I, I decided I needed a new challenge <laughs> and apparently I'm just stupid because oh, I wouldn't say I, that. Yeah, so that's what I'm actually working for right now. I'll be no hand cyclist has ever attempted this race before. So I'll be the first and I am super, super excited about that. It's just completely bonkers insane to attend something that on a hand cyclist on a hand cycle but yeah i'm i'm going to so that's amazing it's amazing. yeah it's gonna be we crazy talk, this we isn't talk a, to you after that one if we can oh yeah yeah it, it's not a stage race like the tour de france this is straight through oh my straight goodness through. and yeah. so you decide when to sleep and yeah when to rest and yeah wow wow and it's again it's a cycling, ultra cycling endurance race, and they are not giving me any additional time to complete it. So, um, the I have ninety two hours as a solo rider to complete the distance. So incredible. there's not going to be much sleep involved. No, not in that amount. That's incredible, no. amazing. <laughs> so. I love everything ultra running and ultra um, distances in general, and I'm just fascinated. Uh, so wait, so you have 92 hours to complete it. What is your projected time? And is this self-assisted or are there aid stations there for you? So there are timing stations where we have to check in, but it's not an aid station like you would see at an ultra running event. It is um, self-supported with a crew. So the way that works is I will have a follow van behind me at all times, and I will have crew members in the van. And I'll probably actually have two vans so that the crew can swap back and forth. And I'll have a crew of about five to six people. I'm right now in the process of um, nailing down and finalizing my crew. So what I hope to have is an MD on the crew, a bike mechanic on the crew, my dietitian is may join us if she is able. She's trying to work out her schedule to see if she's going to be actually present with me or if she's just going to be talking remotely back and forth to the crew. 
Um, so the crew, they will be constantly assessing my health, um, monitoring my calorie intake, my, uh, my fluid intake, my fluid output, all of that to try to keep me, <laughs> keep me going basically. Um, monitoring, you know, my temperature through the desert, trying to cool me down through the desert, trying to make sure that I am not hallucinating and falling asleep and yeah. endangering myself and all of that stuff that happens with ultra yeah, injuries. That's yeah. real. Yeah. It, it's very real. So my husband's an ultra marathoner. And so, you know, it, it, he's, he's been there. He's done that all, you he know, the crazy hallucinations and this and that. Um, so yeah, but I'll have a full crew. They'll be behind me in a van with flashing lights and signs and they'll follow me the whole way. And, uh, yeah. And hope, hope for the best. <laughs> That's so epic and awesome. <laughs> I'm excited crazy nuts, but I'm excited. So I don't have a question. I just want to say how incredibly inspiring it is of your story and how we might have listeners that were in the same position as you of having um, a disability or um, an autoimmune, autoimmune disorder or something where they weren't able to um, move the way that they were previously and the amazing things that you're showing that you can do is just so inspiring to all. Well, thank you. And I hope, I hope, even if I inspire one person to get out there and try something different and move yeah. and be active, then I kind of feel like this is all worth it, you know? Because yeah. I think the story resonates to everybody. I, yeah, you know, I, I hope so. And I'm in such a unique position that I've been literally at both ends of the extreme with being that person that was the last across finish lines and getting swept and then winning the Boston Marathon. And so it gives me a, I think, a very unique perspective that I don't know that anybody else really has. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. Kind of I don't crazy. think so. But yeah, so hopefully, hopefully other people are able to see that and hear that and it encourages them to get out and move and be active. Given your unique perspective on this and that you have done both, there's a lot of our listeners who may be doing their first marathon in January or maybe their first half marathon, maybe their first 5K, maybe the first 10K. Do you have any advice, um, especially for people who are are attempting long distances for the first time of what you might say to them? So the first thing I would say is be consistent in your training. That's the most important thing. You have to be consistent in your training. If you are consistent in your training, then the day of the race, that is your victory lap. And then race day, that's the day you go out and you celebrate all of that hard work you put in during training. And that's really what the race is about. It's a celebration of all that hard work you put in. So don't get nervous about the race and stressed and to the point that you don't enjoy it. The point of the race is to go out and have fun, enjoy it, and celebrate all that hard work you put in. And just have fun with it. 
have fun, especially if you're doing a Disney race. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much fun. There's so much going on. And the Run Disney community is amazing. I have met some of my very best friends through the Run Disney community. And just go out and have fun, but you have to be consistent in your training. If you're not consistent in your training and you don't put in the training runs, then race day is going to be miserable. And you don't want that. I don't want that for you. Nobody wants that for you. So be consistent in your training. I love that. I hear you saying to me on race day, get out of your own head and look around and have fun. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You just have to remember race day, that is your day to celebrate all the hard work you've put in. That's what race day is about. That's the reward. Yep. Spot on. Spot on, Wendy. I agree a hundred percent. Wendy, I think we're kind of wrapping up, but we touched on you do some Disney races. You told us you did Princess in 2010. Any other memorable Disney races or anything coming up? Oh my gosh. Well, I've done all of the Disney races at one point or another. I haven't been doing a lot of them over the last year, year and a half, I guess really since COVID. I've only done a couple just because I've gotten to a point in my racing career that the run Disney races just aren't fitting into my schedule and I've got other stuff I have to focus on. So uh, honestly, one of the most memorable ones though was Princess this year. I did, I just did the 10K and I did it with a couple of friends and I think I, I can't even remember. I think it was like an hour and a half 10K or something. Yeah, they're fun. So slow. We stopped for every single character. Yeah. And we just had so much fun. We we rode together and my husband ran with us to, you know, try to help us maneuver around the character stops. And we just had so much fun. And we put lights on our hand cycles. And I had a speaker on the back of my hand cycle. We had wrapped all of these LED lights around the frame. And I blasted um, Baroque Hoedown from the speaker on my hand cycle. Nice. <laughs> we went to nice. Main Street Electrical Parade. It was so much fun. It was, you know, no pressure. It's just have fun. So that was a really fun one. Um, wine and dine. I just, I love wine and dine. I love the after party at Epcot, all of that. Dopey is dopey. It's just, you know, it's epic and it's ridiculous to get up that early in the morning or mornings in a row, but it's just, so each one of them, my all-time favorite though was Tinkerbell at Disneyland. Because okay. I just love Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell's always been, you know, my favorite character and all of that. And I loved the Disneyland races and I still miss the Disneyland races, but I'm excited they're coming back. Coming so back. I, might, I might have to, you know, break my Disney hiatus to go do whatever Disneyland race they bring back. In the meantime, I'll just try to go cheer for everyone at the Disney races. <laughs> cool. I hope to see you there. Okay. We're not going to let you go yet. We haven't done this for a little bit, but Allie's got a few rapid fire questions she wants to ask before we let you get out of here. Okay. I know you're a Disney person. We just talked about that. What's your favorite Disney ride? Um, well, I guess I have to say Guardians of the Galaxy now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's a good one. Awesome. Pretty awesome. This, this is divided amongst us. So what's your favorite Disney snack? Um, the churros from Tiffin's or Nomad Lounge because okay. I'm allergic to gluten. I'm, I'm gluten-free 
but the churros at Nomad Lounge are gluten-free and they are amazing. Amazing. So that's a nice place in general, that Nomad Lounge. Oh, it is. I spend way too much time there. But yes, if you've never had the churros from Nomad Lounge, whether you're gluten-free or not, go try them. They are amazing. I love that. I'm definitely going to try them. What is your favorite race distance? My favorite race distance? Mm -hmm. Um. 100K, I think. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. I was going to guess it. Yeah. You were talking about it. I was like, I bet I, it's an ultra. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I had so much fun doing that 100K a few weeks ago. It was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So right at the moment, now ask me in a few months, I may tell you a 200 mile or 500 mile. <laughs> I don't know. The longer, the better. The longer, the better. So this is just kind of a sassy question, but I have to ask it. Um, it's an age-old debate. Boston or New York? Boston. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. That, I don't even have to think about that one. Boston. Okay. I kind of understand that. You made Allie happy. Allie's up in New Hampshire. I am. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a New England girl. Uh, yeah, but Greg, I, Greg and John are New York fans and uh, live in that area. So. So New York. <laughs> New York is amazing. Um, for me, I've just had, I've had really good experiences in Boston and they didn't yell at me for re- for going too fast in Boston. And I got yelled at for going too fast in New York. So, <laughs> you, want, you, you want to tell us that before you go? You mentioned that at the very beginning before we were recording. Yeah. So New York is not as hand cycle friendly as Boston is and they don't let you go over or go under an hour and 35 minutes. And if you go too fast, they yell at you. And I got yelled at twice. Oh my! (laughs) So what happened is, you know, I I told y'all my brake got messed up and I had to pull over and stop. And so then I had to try to catch back. And they put a pace car in front of the hand cyclist. So New York has a huge, huge hand cycle field. And usually there's probably anywhere from five to 10 hand cyclists that are able to keep up with the pace car. So my coach, like my whole race plan for New York was don't lose the pace car, go out fast, go out hard, stick with the pace car and just stay with the pace car until it turns off and then sprint to the finish. That was my whole race plan. So I had to pull over, I had to fix my brake. I lost the pace car. And then all I can think is, oh my gosh, my coach, all he told me was don't lose the pace car. And there goes the pace car. And I lost the lead pack. So then I had to go really fast to catch up to the lead pack and the pace car. And I got yelled at for go, by race officials for going too fast. <laughs> I didn't so, write. I know. It's not. I know. That's why I like Boston better. They don't yell okay. at me for going too fast. Nice. <laughs> so what you're saying is you went from being falling behind at the balloon ladies to being told that you're going way too fast. I love yes. that story. That is like yes. the ultimate <laughs> champion story. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Nice. It's, it's a weird, I have a weird, crazy story. Oh, it's a terrific story. And we thank you for taking time out of what I'm sure is a busy schedule to share it with us. Wendy, if, if uh, friends want to follow you, uh, you want to drop your Instagram handle or any way you'd like to be followed? It's, um, my Instagram is wendy.larson.handcyclist. And that's Larson with an E, L-A-R-S-E-N. 
So I'm I'm pretty easy to find if you just Google Wendy Larson hand cycle, it'll it'll come up. I can attest to that. <laughs> I can attest to that. I and I have to say this one more time before I let you go. The Boston Marathon champion, the New York City Marathon champion, Wendy Larson, you're delightful. You're an inspiration. And we just so happy that you spent some time with us. Thanks again. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed chatting with y'all. As as always, when we get a special athlete with us, that was exciting. It was fun. And it was very enjoyable. Thank you, Wendy. I want to comment on a couple of things that Wendy talked about. She talked about plasma blood donations. Folks, you can do that. I used to do it. It's not a difficult procedure. Just get with your local blood bank, uh, Red Cross, your local source for blood donations, whatever it is, and you give the plasma donation. It takes a while, but as a athlete in training, the beauty of this is that while you're in the process, your blood is drawn. It's spun in a centrifuge. The platelets and the parts that are needed are taken out and then the red blood cells are returned to you. So I've actually done this procedure and then gone out the next day and trained. So you can do it. Uh, look that one up. The other thing she talked about, she talked about Achilles International. You can find out more about them. We've talked about that a couple times. We had our friends Wendy and Ross on from Australia early on, uh, one of our early episodes. Wendy's big with Achilles International. Achillesinternational.org if you're interested in helping them out. Also, uh, Wendy talked about teamcatapult.org. There's another place you can look. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is that Wendy really downplayed just how fast she's going in that hand cycle. That's, that's incredible. I think of all the advantages we have in upright cycling, and yet she's able to maintain a highly competitive pace that keeps her with some of the better folks riding a bicycle. Absolutely incredible. Wendy, it was fun having you. We look forward to having you back. We want to hear about that uh, what is it, the Western Open, that Western Ultra? I want to hear about that 900-some-odd miles. That sounds like it's going to be interesting. Hey, let's see what's coming up here. Um, next week Next week is Thanksgiving week, and we're going to be replaying part. For part of the episode, we're going to be replaying an interview from another world-class athlete, Brittany Charbonneau. She was with us real early in the podcast. And I think a lot of folks missed her. It's a great interview. So we'll be here. I'll be here. Uh, we'll do the race report, but for the bulk of the, sh the episode, we're going to replay Brittany's interview. We just finished another pre-order for shirts. Thank you so much. The response has been overwhelming. Allie's working really hard on that with John and they're processing that, doing the best they can. Hang with us. We're new at this yet, but I know we're going to do, Allie and John are going to do the best they can. Allie is actually the one who gets them all out to you. And I know she's going to do the best that she can. I do. I hug every shirt before I send it out <laughs> just to make sure it's sent with love. Oh, speaking of sent with, and I sent with love is nice. I need to get you some wristbands so they can be sent with love and wristbands. 
Absolutely. We always try to stick some goodies in there for you guys. Uh, whatever we have this round, we will pop in the mail. I'll do that. I'll get those in the mail tomorrow, Allie, so you'll have them in time. Uh, Space Coast is coming up in Cocoa Beach. Space Coast is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We've got a bunch of names on the list. I'm going to put together a meetup. There's a place called, I'll put it on Facebook. There's a place called Carib Brewery. It's near where a lot of our hotels are. I'll be there at three o'clock on Sunday. If you can make it by, that would be fun. I'd also encourage you to take a look at Jeff Galloway's run in March in Atlanta, the JG 13.1 Jeff Galloway race weekend. Another wonderful event, another opportunity to get together as a group. I'll talk more about it as we get closer. Hey, John, we got any reviews? Yes, we do. We got a review. Adam. All right. Love this podcast by SHS. I enjoy listening to the gang from the Rise and Run. I recently found this podcast after getting into Dopey. I've been binge listening and look forward to every single new podcast. The podcast is great motivation during my training runs. The marathon day of four Dopey will be my 50th lifetime marathon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my husband and two children will be running with me. I'll be looking for all you on the course. I consider the gang at the Rise and Run to be my running buds. Thank you for including me in your family. I was going to say, I I didn't know the closing line because I was going to say we consider you to be part of the family. And we'll be looking for you too. That's wonderful. Thank you. The whole family running the marathon. That's that's pretty daggum neat. You know that? It's cool. I like having a running bud. Thank you. We appreciate it. The reviews. We try to take time to read them all. I heard something breaking news in the Run Disney universe that races are coming back to Hong Kong. What do we know about that? That it's so much more affordable. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, except for the flight to Hong Kong. Yeah, you, you got to get there, Jack. <laughs> I know, but seventy nine dollars for a tank uh, That's it. Okay, that's good. It's it's thirty dollars or forty dollars less than it here is in Orlando, where you live, and I can drive to. <laughs> well, we have to fly halfway around the world to save those forty bucks. But by golly, it sounds like fun. But w- what do we know about them? There are a few different races. There is a Mickey and Friends kids race. There is a Duffy and Friends three k, a Pixar Pals five k, and a and a Marvel Superheroes 10K. Um, and it's the first time that the races will be back after three years. Do we know Do we know when they're running, Alicia? Um, well, first, I'm going to tell you when registration is. So it will be available from November 28th to January 6th. And we'll put a note um, linked in our website. Um, I'm not really exactly sure how Hong Kong races work. So we're going to do it that way. So the kids race is March 18th. Or March 19th, 2023. The Duffy and Friends 3K is March 18th or March 19th, 2023. The 5K is March 18th. And the 10K is March 19th. Sounds good. I didn't even know they had races in in Hong Kong. That's kind of news to me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. We kind of learned something. Besides, Hong Kong's beautiful that time of year. Mm. I, have, I have no idea. Okay. 
never been to Hong Kong. I've been to Asia, been to Southeast Asia, but I've never been to Hong Kong. Let's go with um, it. it. But I'll bet it's nice. I, I will bet that it is. That's pretty exciting. All right. So that about sums up our news for the week. And that makes it time for the race report. We picked up a bunch of new listeners. So let me just explain for a minute. I think of this as your part of each episode. This is your opportunity to tell us what you're doing. We can share it with the rest of the community. I love getting the reports every week. You guys have done a wonderful job. Here's something you might consider that join the conversation link in the show notes if you want. And we had this, we've only had this done one time. Uh, Just pop that and give us a brief, please, 30 seconds or so synopsis of how your run went. It's great. But in the meantime, I'll be happy to do them for you. And let's start right here. I'm going to get in the Wayback Machine and go back to last week. I don't normally do this, but sometimes there's a special reason. The Miami Marlins Triple Play 5K in Miami, Florida. Kristen ran that. It was a great event. And her daughter, her seven-year-old daughter, Mackenzie, ran her first 5K. Beautiful photo of Kristen McKenzie in the medals. So I didn't want to miss that, even though it's a week old. Uh, this weekend, this week, this last Friday was Veterans Day in the U.S. and Remembrance Day in the U.K. I'm not sure exactly what day Remembrance Day. Oh, it would be November 11th, the Armistice Day. Um, slightly different Veterans Day in the U.S. is to celebrate veterans of the military. Remembrance Day in the U.K. is much more like our Memorial Day here in the U.S. But there were races on Friday because of that. And let's start in Sudbury, Massachusetts. The Sudbury Road Race 5K. Scott finished his first live 5K. Way to go, Scott. In the U.K., the Alton Towers 10K at Stoke-on-Trent. Emma finished that. I learned that Alton Towers is the largest theme park in the U.K., Guys, did you guys know that? Have you ever been to Alton Towers? No. No, no, neither have I, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it looked like a Disney type of run with running through the park and some running in the parking lot, the car park, if you're in the UK. Uh, Emma is on an injury comeback. I love hearing comeback stories, Emma. Good for you. She got a free ticket for volunteering on Saturday. So that's a good one. She volunteered on Saturday, raced on Friday, got a free ticket to the park. Still on Friday, the Full Press Apparel Memorial to Memorial Veterans Day 5K in Tallahassee, Florida. We had two runners there, Lizzie and Larry. It was uh, it was really damp down here in Florida over the weekend. Really, it was misty, a heavy dew. Uh, there was a lot of dampness at this particular run so misty that the commemorative dog tag they give at the finish uh lizzie said it started the edges of it started to fray a little bit okay let's move forward to saturday and let's start in fort worth texas for the navy 10 miler and joining us on the race report spotlight having run the 10 miler on saturday we've got 
Allison and Guy, and Tyler and Grace are with us too. Now, you might remember Tyler and Grace and Allison from the intro about two weeks ago, and now they're all here with us. Guys, welcome. It's great to see you. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us on. Oh, it's fun. We enjoy the heck out of it, I promise. Let's, I'm going to start, I'm going to go backwards on this one. I saw your photos of the race at, uh, it's NAS, uh, what's the name of the facility? So it's the NAS JRB. Yeah. What does JRB stand for? So <laughs> JRB know? is, yeah, I do actually. It's the Joint Reserve Base. Okay. In Fort Worth. Okay. NAS is Naval Air Station. If you're not, uh, that one I knew. Okay. <laughs> But the photos are great. Golly, you had a lot of photos of aircraft. Let's talk about the race. Let's start by talking about the race a little bit. Um, how was the weather that day? And it was cold. So it was probably oh yeah at, at 7 a.m. It was 32 degrees. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty chilly. And then there was a good yeah, so like, there, 15 a... mile an hour north headwind. Oh, oh. Wow. No. From the north, and it was just, and you're out there, so you're out on a runway. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because so, you're at the, yeah. the base. The winds just come whipping. Yep. I've been yeah, there. It wasn't, it wasn't the most ideal race and, conditions. Yeah, not the most ideal conditions. No, they're not. Was the course laid out on the runways, or was it laid out around the base? I imagine it's laid out around the base. Huh? So it was actually, read, this one was all on the runway. Um, really? So had, yeah. So for. The five miler that you went a little bit different than the ten miler, but both of them ended up being that you ran down, ran down, and then ran back up a good couple miles on the runway itself, and then uh-huh. you ran through a few hangars, and then uh-huh. down by where they had parked all the airplanes, and then came back up on a side service road type the... of thing. Well, the That's beauty so cool. of beauty of that is it's flat. Yes, <laughs> but the hard part is when it's windy, like you said. Now, I should have filled listeners in. There was a five-miler and a 10-miler. Guy ran the five-miler. Allison ran the 10-miler. I'll start with you, Guy. You won your age group. Yes, yes, I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Well done. Um, we were talking before. You were you were telling me how the race went for you. Why don't you recap it just a little bit? Yeah, so um, it went really well. I was very surprised. So I had ran... Um, a couple times in the previous few months, and yeah, um, yeah. I, I had yeah, we felt were... pretty good, right? Uh huh. But um, my wife Allison, right? She was telling me about interval training. And I thought, you know, I should try that. So she was looking up, and she we were looking at my times. You know, what were mile times? And she was uh-huh. putting together, okay, what should your interval be? And we decided, you know, I should probably run for about four minutes and rest for. For thirty oh, seconds. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. So we use well, I'll just interrupt. We use the Galloway chart on his website and that's yeah, perfect. So he guy ran a magic mile and then we just kind of calculated using his formula. So that's where his intervals came up with. That is perfect. So starting out it was uh I felt good. It felt really good. It was cold though, so I was freezing cold yeah. and I had gloves on and everything, right? And, oh yeah. Um my my first interval I got to my I got, I, I got to my rest break and you know where I, I need to walk for thirty seconds and it was a downhill so I just kind of skipped through that one and just oh kept, yeah right um, because I was like man I feel really good I'm just gonna blow through the first 
interval basically and so i skipped that first 30 seconds and then i just ran for another basically four minutes and then after that though i kept my interval going and then just took a break every four minutes and rested for 30 seconds and nicely done great it was really nice nicely done i think that's wise to adjust a little bit based on the conditions tyler's just excited to be here that's all (laughs) I, you're not, I hope you know, you're not bothering me. I love it. So, that's good. But Hey man, congratulations guy. That's cool. And I know, I know Allison was giving you the business for running two or three times in the previous months and then going out and winning your age group in the five miler. But yeah. that's, that's great. So Allison, you ran the 10 miler. Yeah. So it was, so the nice thing about the race was they were back to back. And so yeah. I was able to finish his race uh-huh. and then I could, while well, I stayed with the kids and watched them. And then he stayed with the kids while I did the 10 mile portion of it, which worked out really well for us. So nice. we didn't have to bring the kids with us on the run and yeah. try and juggle them. That's, that's awesome. How, how'd you do anything remarkable about the course for you? Uh, so I, looking back at the official results, I actually got a PR on it. So Way I was really, uh, especially with, the conditions and then yeah. our kids have been sick and I've been fighting something. On oh top my. Of it, so it, I'm proud of it. Well, way to go. Congratulations. That's cool. Hey, this is one I usually start with, but let's back up just a little bit. How did you get started in running? Well, so, so I started out in running, um, as, as a high schooler. So my, my freshman year, I, I was a nerdy kid, right? And, I wanted to find something in sports and athletics, right, that I feel I could be good at. And um, so I ended up just running on my own. And I okay. um, so I, I lived in a small town and I just I just ran kind of around the town. And I thought, uh, if it's one thing I've got is I can I have endurance. And so there you go. So that's how I started out. And um, what actually happened is I didn't plan on doing any sports with it, but I had a uh, a cross training weightlifting type class, right? And uh-huh. the the person in charge of that class was the track coach, and he noticed that I had really good endurance that I could go and run these miles and stuff like that. And so he, you know, recruited me to go out for track, and so I ended up running the two mile in track and was fairly successful. And from there, um, I started the next fall. I started running cross country. Okay. So so then I would, you know, obviously do 5K cross country races and things like that, and that's that's kind of how I started out my my running career, I guess you could say. Neat. Very good. Uh, Allison stepped away. Here she comes. Allison had stepped away, but she's back. We, we we've made you extremely busy. I know. Um, Allison, I was I was talking with Guy about how we got started running. How'd you get started running? Yeah, so I would say I was pretty active always as a kid. Um, my dad's actually active duty in the military, so kind of what got me started was we we would go to these events, and uh, when we were living in southern Arizona, the the post we were living at, they did a summer series, and so they did like a 5K race, and then there was a, a mini triathlon, and then they did a mystery 10K always. A mystery then, 10K. Yeah, so you didn't know the route. You just kind of showed oh. up, and you just... Then they said, follow the course. Perfect for Jack. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was always 
I would love that. Yeah, she never <laughs> checks them anyway. Really so we we really liked it, and it would it would go in different places on the on the post. So sometimes it'd be more trail, and sometimes it was more back road. Uh huh. And so running that in high school, and my my dad always did it, and one of my sisters always did it. And so for me, that kind of just cemented my my love of being active and running. And then in college, I just kind of kept up with it as something to do, you know, to break up all the studying yeah, yeah. me with, with school. And so I did a few trail runs and like seven mile trail runs in college and then uh-huh. just mostly just kept to the neighborhood. And that's kind of where it started. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, um, back to this one for a minute. If, uh, if I find myself in the Fort Worth area in November some year, is this a race I should do? You recommend it? I would say, yeah. So one of the cool parts is the beginning. So the start of the five miler, um, they have an F-18 that flies yeah. over. And oh, cool, cool, really cool, cool. cool. It flies right over you, right? So yeah. And, uh, and it does it a couple times at the beginning of the race. And that was just really cool. And um, so I think it's definitely an experience you have to yeah. go through. To Yeah, we talked to a few different people. So they did... Because of the conditions, they couldn't do the flyover then by the 10-miler because they had some other training exercises and that kind okay. of thing. Um, so they did it at the 5. And then talking to a few people who did both, um, both events. So you could do the 5-miler and you could do the 10-miler and you got a special medal uh-huh. for doing both activities. The um, the flyover, when I talked to a few people in the 10-miler, talked about how they could feel the, the heat from the jet. Oh, my. That's close by, all right. Yeah. Yeah, as it yeah. went over, and it was, I was in the with the kids, and both kids were a little bit scared with the noise because it was it's a lot of noise. Like, yeah, um, I would I would recommend it. It's one of those. It's a smaller race. I I don't think there's more than yeah. There's a hundred and twenty people in the five miler, and yeah, maybe maybe two hundred in the ten miler. Okay, okay, cool. I I yeah, I was thinking it might be just a little bigger, but that's cool. Uh, what's next up for you guys? What's your next race? Um, so I'm doing the Dallas Marathon series in the next month in December. So I'm going to do the there's a, they have a one mile fun run, a a 10k, and then the marathon. So I'm going to do all three. We have the kids doing their first races. So nice. They're going to do the kids 100 meter dash. Nice, nice. And a uh, guy's going to run support and yeah, be our support crew further. The playing dad, right? So good deal. Good and then deal. I'm going to Disney for Dopey in June. Ah, good, excellent, excellent. We look forward to seeing you there. So I feel like I'm asking everybody this now. So what you dressing up as for Dopey? Are you going to dress up? I'm curious. <laughs> I, this is going to be my first Run Disney event where I do a costume, and so I'm working to try and modify <gasps> things with it. So my so I mentioned earlier, my dad and my sister have run, but other members of my family have done the Disney races. And so this year we have my grandfather, who's in his late 70s, is going to do the 5K with us. Oh, super. And super. My, and then my mom, my dad, and then my dad's also doing Dopey, and then my mom's going to do the the 5, the 10, and the half. So we're trying That's to work out dopey. a few costumes. Good yeah. for him. Good for him. I'm proud of all you guys. That's great. Well, you got a pretty good workout tonight, running back and forth. It's, it's been fun watching you get your exercise with Tyler and Grace back there. Hey, we're glad they joined us, too. 
Well, listen, Allison and Guy, first of all, congratulations on finishing. Sounds like a great event. Thanks for having Tyler and Grace here. I get a big kick out of it. Uh, thanks for sending us the intro a couple of weeks ago. And thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. So continuing on Saturday in Richmond, Virginia, there they had a race weekend in Richmond, the VCU Health Richmond. There was an 8K, there was a half marathon, and there was a marathon. Our friend Jennifer ran the 8K. Last time she did this, she had seven seconds that were bugging her. I think she did it. She wanted to go under 35 minutes. She did it in 35.07. And I know how those few seconds, even if it was one or two, they can really bug you. Well, no more bugging Jennifer anymore. She went and finished this one in 33.55. She wanted to be under 34. Yeah, nailed it. A 6.48 average pace. Even though it was just a workout, she finished fourth in her age group. Pretty big race because they gave age group awards to five places. So good job, Jennifer. Sarah, Sarah ran the half. Sarah treated it as a catered training run. She had a good time. She said she talked with some ladies who were wearing Tower of Terror 10-miler shirts. Uh, they mentioned that they listened to the podcast on the drive to the race. That's really neat. We like hearing that. Uh, and Sarah made a friend on the course and helped her finish her first half marathon. Another neat thing. Love this community, I'm telling you. Also in Richmond, Kim and Woody were there. I didn't see anything from Kim and Woody on this one. Uh, I know they finished one and dine the week before. They do a bunch of races. In Winter Garden, Florida, our buddy Margaret and her husband John did the Gift of Swimming 5K. I was a little confused that whether you were swimming or running, Margaret set me straight. She said that, yes, we're running. And the purpose of the run is to, the money goes to provide swimming lessons to disadvantaged kids. It was John's second time doing this event, Margaret's fifth. Of course, Margaret costumed up mermaid skirt for a gift of swimming run, totally appropriate. One of my favorite events was going on this weekend, the St. Pete Run Fest. I didn't get to do it this year, but it's a good one. Tracy, Dawn, and Jen were there for the 10K on Saturday. Beautiful run. Weather wasn't too bad here. Wasn't that hot. Uh, Tracy said John Pelkey was the announcer. She got a picture with him. It's a great event. Uh, Dawn and Jen both set a new PR in the 10K. Here's another Remembrance Run in the UK, Remembrance Run 10K at RAF Debden in North Essex, England. Amy ran that one, a great run. A new personal best for Amy, sub 57 minutes. That's a good run for a 10K, Amy. Way to go. Nice job. The Florida Run 5K at Lake Louisa State Park in Claremont, Florida. Denise ran that. It was her first trail 5K. This was in a heavy fog, but it went great. Another PR there. Congratulations, Denise. The Denver Veterans Day run out in Colorado. I think it's Wendy Lee. I, I don't want to I assume that it's just Wendy. I think it's Wendy Lee. Uh, ran it with her family. That was pretty neat. A family fun run. I think this was a 5K. 
She says, we went from Disney World one week where it was 80 degrees and muggy at sea level to Denver where it was 26 degrees and a mile high elevation. They still had a good time on that one. That's great. There was an ultra this weekend. Adam was registered for the Tunnel Hill 100 in Vienna, Illinois. I uh, didn't hear how that one went. Moving to Sunday, the BAA Half Marathon in Boston. It was a rainy day. Our friend Madge was there as a volunteer. Uh, Paula and Danny were there too. I saw photos. Justin ran that one. Our friend Heather, who we spoke to not long ago, was there in the wheelchair division. Said it was a very challenging event. Uh, she's also done, in the last eight weeks, she's done 10 halves or fulls over the weekend. And she's got a request. And actually, I meant to talk with Wendy about this a little bit. Folks, if you're at a race, don't wear closed-off headphones so you can't hear what's going on around you. you you've got to be able to hear what's going on in sur your surroundings just for safety, if nothing else. So... Don't close yourself off to the outside world. Uh, moving on. In Annapolis, Maryland, the Bay Bridge Run 10K. Several folks running this one. Uh, Jenny, Tricia, Ralph, and Jen. Let's see. Cold and windy. And, you know, you, if you get on a bridge run and it's windy, there's nothing to protect you. <laughs> so it can get really, really breezy. Now, fortunately... For these runners, for most of the 10K, the wind was at their backs. Uh, Jenny said it was her first race ever. You know what that means? PR. Way to go, Jenny. Uh, Trish and Ralph. Trish said it's a bucket list event. She ran with her dad, Ralph. They're both loving run, walk, run. Next stop for Trisha, Dopey. Jen ran with her sister. A perfect distance for princess training. So that's cool. The uh, St. Pete Run Fest had their half on Sunday. Dawn and Nikki are listed as being there, but I may have missed something. I don't see any information on that. In Athens, Greece, the Athens Marathon. Coach Chris Twiggs finished that sub four hours, his third marathon in a month, and he still did sub four. Chris said it was pretty warm, very hilly, no shade. This event, you know, the legend of Pheidippides from Marathon to Athens, but this particular event follows the route of the first Olympic marathon in the 1896 Olympics in Greece and finishes in that stadium. I think the distance of that marathon, I'd have to look it up. I should have looked it up before the episode. I think it was 25 miles. The, the distance of marathons varied for a while until the London Marathon set it at the distance that it is right now. But anyway, it followed the initial route. Uh, I just want to comment our friends Jim and Grace from Customized Training were there also. I know Jim's battling an injury. I don't know if they finished the marathon or not, but it was beyond inspiring, Grace wrote. In Clarksburg, California, the Clarksburg Country Run 30K. Another ultra jack. Uh, temps were under 40 and windy, but Jeff and his wife 
their first ever 30K. You know what that means, PR. Uh, Jeff also did a virtual on Veterans Day, so Jeff put some miles in. Our friend Kristen, our friend we just talked about, Run Fit Mama Kristen, said she was there too. And apparently they had something about burritos they were giving away at the end where they didn't have enough and Jeff didn't get a burrito. But anyway, if you're there, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. Still in California, the Monterey Bay Half Marathon, Monterey, California. Katie did that one. Gorgeous day. Nice photos. Next up for Katie, the marathon. I want to do that race. Monterey? Yeah. Pretty area, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, here's one I think we were talking about earlier the with uh, Wendy, the Lululemon 10K Tour in Houston, Texas. Tammy ran that one. Uh, the tour is done for the year, but she said this was a wonderful event. She PR'd her 10K, said if you get a chance to do it, there's so much fun. You get so much stuff, and you get good discounts. So look for the Lululemon 10K series next year. Uh, one that I'm familiar with, I never have run, though, the Battleship 12K in Mobile, Illinois. The USS Alabama, the Battleship US Alabama, USS Alabama is there in Mobile Bay. It was 37 degrees in Mobile when Jason, Natalie, and 11-year-old Barrett took on the 12K family run. Uh, Barrett ran his first 5K in 2008. I'm doing the math. That means he was seven uh, at uh, Disneyland Paris. And he finished this 12K at an 11-11 pace. That's, how appropriate is that for an 11-year-old to run an 11-11 pace? Not only is it appropriate, I think it's pretty darn good. I think so it's fun. lucky. <laughs> you think he planned it? Mm, <laughs> we'll have to ask. But nice job. Nice job, guys. Uh, Dripping Springs, Texas, the Run by the Creek 10K. Jennifer ran that, 11th anniversary of the event. Said it was freezing cold for a South Texas girl in the low 40s. I'm telling you, if you think it's cold, it's cold. But she finished that 10K. Nice job. In Nashville, the Nashville 5K, uh, a different Jennifer ran this one. Nasty weather in Nashville, too. 30 degrees and rainy. Again, comparing it to she did uh, Disney World last week. Very hilly route. I've run in Nashville before. It can get really hilly. But this is another state checked off the list for Jennifer. And wrapping up the weekend, a new member who just joined the Facebook group this morning, Andrew, told us about finishing the Angry Unicorn Half Marathon in South Kingston, Rhode Island. The Angry Unicorn. Nice. Uh, Andrew's third half of the year, a PR by 10 minutes. And now he's on to the Walt Disney World Marathon. All right, that wraps up the race report for the week. Again, remember, that's your part of the show. So let us know what you're doing, and we'll be happy to share it with the rest of the community. Hey, we had a nice Zoom call last week. Now, typically we do them every other week, but if we do that, that plops us right in the middle of Thanksgiving. And not only that, but if you jump forward a couple more weeks it puts us into the thursday of marathon weekend so let's change the schedule a little bit let's do a zoom call this week which means if you're listening to this the day that it drops later on tonight 
and I hope to see you there. We have a lot of fun with those. Take, we take, we hang around for about an hour, hour and a half, just chatting, answering your questions, talking about how things are going with training and just generally having a good time. I always equate it to, it's like being in the corral before the race starts, just talking with your friends. And speaking of talking with your friends, it's that time. Episode 58 has come to a close. My friends, and if you run, you know, you know, you are our friend. We look forward to talking with you next week. But until then, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.